circumstances of the situation. Like, let's take Exodus 1.16 out of context real quick. When you're helping a Hebrew woman during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that it's a boy, kill him. But if you see that it's a girl, let her live. Well, what's the deal? <laughs> no, this, this verse is not written for us. It's written to the Hebrew midwives as a command by the king of Egypt at the time. Well, Exodus is something where we could learn lessons from because of how people did things in the past. John chapter 17, verses 20 to 26 is for the modern believer. It's a beautiful prayer that we would unify as Christ is unified with the Father and the Spirit. I'm going to pretend I'm reading it from the Bible, but I have it written down right here because I have something to do with that afterwards. <laughs> so it says, my prayer is not for them alone them being the disciples. I pray also for those who would believe in me through their message. All of, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, to see the glory that you have given me because you've loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. So I went to a, a Alliance Church in BC about a month ago, and there was a super Dutch pastor named Auka. And after he'd finished a passage in the Bible, he would say, this is the word of the Lord, and the congregation would then say, thanks be to God. <laughs> there you go. And so I'm going to do that today. I'm going to close my Bible, and then I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord, and you guys are going to say... Sweet. Because <laughs> we should be thankful. It's like, where the heck would we be without it? So, okay, so Jesus is praying that we would have unity in the church and with him. And, of course, we're not perfect. We make mistakes. But how are we going to deal with that? i got to put this somewhere. Perfect. Yeah, are we going to push someone away? Um, so we're going to say that together. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Let's say it again. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Sweet. So you might be asking yourselves this. Does this unity that Jesus prays about call for denominational reconciliation? Does this prayer call us to come back to our roots and merge with other churches. Well, let's start off by saying this. You don't have to believe all of the exact same things to have a like-minded or otherwise unified heart. And before you start throwing tomatoes at me and no cabbage, Elvin. <laughs> what I mean by that is, let's use Billy and Johnny as an example here. If Billy takes off his hat during a prayer and Johnny doesn't, are they going to fight over that? 
Well, probably not. But in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 4, it says that every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered disgraces his head. And verse 5 says the same, but the opposite about women. So if the Bible clearly says something about this, why is there even an argument on what's right or wrong here? Doesn't make sense, does it? So I went to Bible school in Austria, not Australia. Let's get a picture up here. So here's some pictures from Austria. Did you know that there's a booth in the Vienna airport that redirects people that accidentally flew to Austria instead of Australia? <laughs> Imagine that. You go to your mom, you're like, okay, mom, I found this super cheap flight and it's only nine hours long. I'm going to Australia and you end up in Austria. So if you're having a bad day, think about that. <laughs> so the bottom left is the campus of the Cape and Ray Bible School I went to, and I'm just going to explain a couple of these. The bottom right is a view from the balcony of my dorm, so it's quite something. The top right is Budapest, so I say Budapest because I'm a Gen Z, um, so there's that. So the Bible School is called Tarnhof. And there were around 90 students there. There were a bunch of Germans, Canadians, Americans, people from Switzerland, Holland, Indonesia, Romania, England, Ireland, and Scotland. So you get the point. You could imagine how many different denominational backgrounds people came from. Yeah, there were a ton. And you know what's crazy? We didn't argue a single time about how each denomination believes something slightly different. We had hundreds of theological discussions about topics in the Bible, but everyone seemed to have the same views when it came to reading the stone-cold biblical evidence. Not once did a barrier arise that we didn't work through. It was actually quite beautiful how we lived together in a unified community, working through our differences in a desire to learn more about God. It actually kind of sounds cultish now that I say it out loud. But if you, don't, if you didn't notice a difference in three months, how many months would it take? So back to the question about denominal, denominational reconciliation. Are we called to reunite with other churches? Well, my personal answer from almost 19 years of experience is that <laughs> you can have unified hearts but still disagree on some things. Let's look at baptism, for instance. Not everyone has the same view on baptism, believe it or not. There are people that believe in the bapti baptizing of infants and hold a covenantal view on it. But there are people like us that know that if you believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and accept the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross and want a more intimate relationship with our Father, we get baptized as a symbol of our faith in Jesus and making that faith our own. There's probably not going to be any changing of minds here. So what, what do we have to look at then? Do they love Jesus? Yes. Do they preach the Bible? Yes. So we love them because they're our brothers and sisters in Christ. But we're right and they're wrong and we're super humble. <laughs> sure, we have our disagreements. But that doesn't have to come between our relationships as brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus literally prayed in John 17, 21, that we as believers unify as one body just as the Father, Son, and Spirit have perfect unity with each other. 
He doesn't want to keep this epic relationship to the Father to himself, but wants us to have the same relationship with him and with each other. Psalms 133 verse 1 states clearly God's desire for our oneness. It says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. We can disagree with each other, but with grace. I don't think disagreements in the church are necessarily a bad thing if you do it right. But we need to look past our disagreements and focus on unity. We're all working towards the same harvest. Our goals are the same. Most of you know that we had a bit of an ordeal with the River East Church. The MB churches of Manitoba ended up having to say goodbye to River East, but which is bad or sad, but the way that it was handled was a perfect reflection of how, if this is to happen, we can separate not with spite for one another, but with a mindset of grace and brotherhood. It was handled in a way that it was less of a division and more of a friendly disagreement. And the great thing about that is now we don't feel disunified, but we feel the same heart disagreements that I talked about earlier. We believe some things a little bit differently, but have the same heart to follow God. Okay, but now for the question of why. Why is it so important that Jesus spent some of his last hours praying about this? Well, it's simply our nature to argue and divide. We don't like to work things out because we tend not to want to be wrong. I know our church is getting better at reconciling in different areas that we've disagreed in the past. Yes, we've had our share of division. But we're working through that as we're called to do. On another note, it's not enough to just say, it's just human nature that divides us. What are we supposed to do? Well, let me put it this way. Satan divides, God unites, and reunites. Now, let's not look at this from a dualistic view. We all know that Plato's view on biblical dualism is trash. Heaven and hell, God and Satan are not equal opposites. And Satan only has as much power as God allows him to. We all know that God is all-powerful, and nothing or no one can stand against him and have any power beyond what God uses as a test or lesson for us. But we divide because it's human nature, and human nature is of this world. And you know who the prince of this world is? That's right, Satan. Satan divides, God unites, and reunites. In Bible school, I could see the result of unity in brother and sisterhood, and it was beautiful. There was so much passion for Jesus that any disunity could not possibly exist. Sure, there were minor disagreements, but the moment you accept that you're going to disagree on something, why argue it? We could just look past it, and Satan hates that. He hates when he fails to divide us, and I actually have a story to speak into that. There was a, in Austria, there was a fairly new believer named Raphael. We called him Raffi. He was super passionate about learning more about God. But at night, he was having night terrors about the Bible school and that, that we were all like demons and we were tormenting him and telling him he was in the wrong place. But during our family group time, we prayed over him and the night, night terrors never came back. So that was definitely an attack from Satan to divide especially on a new believer. He was, and he was like 29 years old too, so he, he could have chosen any way to go with that. The next point I'm going to be talking about is instead of looking at each other, look at God. 
we are too often distracted by what one person is doing that we forget what Jesus would do in a situation. The stronger the passion you have for God, the less cares you could give about what Johnny thinks about gender roles in the church. Unity should be beautiful. It should be something people look at and say, that's something I want. It should be attractive to people outside the Christian community. We should strive to have union with the perfect unified God so that through that union, we can bring unity to each other. Think about that for a second. We need to put God first, and then with that spirit of unity, we can live in a unified community with each other. There was an American lecturer that came to speak in Austria. I apologize, I'm going to be referencing Austria Bible school a lot. But his name was Frank Cerrone, and he was known for his famous goofy quotes. If we could get... Perfect. That's Frank. <laughs> oh, what a guy. <laughs> he would make phrases that would appeal to a younger, shorter attention span audience. So I'm just going to say a few of them here that stuck with me. So my responsibility is my response to his ability. Waiting time is never wasted time. Use that when you're like dating and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Use your past to refine you. Don't let it define you. Um, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And learn humility today so you don't get humiliated tomorrow. And make the most of your time being single. <laughs> this guy was funny. Anyways, getting back on track here. We need to put God first. Then with that spirit of unity, we can then live in a unified community with each other. That's, that's mine. <laughs> what we tend to end up doing here is saying, okay, we ob we're obviously the good guys, and everyone else is the bad guys. We're the Jets fans, and everyone else likes the Habs. But here's the thing. Every denomination thinks that way. Well, maybe not. We're not everyone's a Jets fan, and... We're definitely not Habs fans, right? Right? <laughs> and this causes a huge amount of division because our ears are tuned to one station so that an opinion from another church comes in as static. I know this church has pretty good spread out age diversity, and it's awesome how we can all take the wisdom from the church and spread it out through different age groups. We're growing together as sturdy branches. And in a way, we're bringing, un we're bringing unity through diversity. It goes the same way with spiritual gifts. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? In this way, we use the body of the church to allow ourselves to live in a sort of unity. We all use our different gifts as unique building blocks. You know those little boxes or pails that have the shapes cut out of them and you have to fit the fit the little shapes into the respective holes that's that's what we're supposed to do we have we all have our little shape and we all have to fill that little hole and so here's a little video for you if we can get that plan this is a square can you guess which spot that goes the in? square that's right it goes in the square hole yes and how about this rectangle? That one also this square. goes in there too. Yeah. Up next, we've got this thin rectangle. The thin rectangle. Can you guess where that goes? The thin rectangle. That's right. It goes in the square hole. And up next, 
A cylinder. Hmm. The circle. I think that goes in the circle. The square hole. Now we've also got the semicircle right here. Do you see a slot that would fit the, the semicircle? Semicircle. The, sem the semicircle. That's right. It's the square hole. Okay. Up next, the triangle. We know what hole that goes the into, triangle. right? Triangle. That's right. The square hole. And up la up next, we have the arch. The arch. The arch. You guessed it. The arch. It goes in the square oh, hole. God. This is a square. That's Can you guess what? Nice. All right. Okay. So you can see that because every shape fulfilled the hole of a square, the other holes didn't get filled. Let's pretend all those holes didn't go into the same pail. So you could see that the shapes would have fit better through the hole they were designed for. Now, look, let's look at roles in the church. There might be a spot that you were designed for, a U-shaped hole to fill. Okay, this will be the last point I'll talk about today. We're not made right with God because we're right about all of the issues in front of us. We're not made right because we think we know everything and we think we're doing it all right. We're made right because of Jesus and only through Jesus. It's called justification. It's not about what we try to do to earn this relationship because we can't earn it. It's about what Jesus did on the cross and how that plays into our lives. And again, that union that God allows us to have with him through Christ allows us to live in a community where debate is not only accepted, but with grace encouraged. But if there's no agreement at the end of a debate, what do we do? Well, we'll get the answer in heaven. Add it to the list of questions you want to ask. Most of the things we argue about are topics that are not superly, super clearly stated in the Bible. I say most because there are actual debates where there is a right and wrong. All right, here's a bit of an allegory for you to end. So imagine you're at a golf course. You're teeing off for the first time of the day. You're confident this is going 350 yards. You're teed up with your nice new Pro V1. And you, you look back and you see your buddy pull out a neon green ball. Now you have to decide, are you going to golf with this absolute buffoon? Are you going <laughs> to... Are you going to go on your own with your, with your nice new Pro V1? Obviously, despite your difference, different preference, you're going to keep golfing with them. You're both playing the same game. You're both shooting at the same hole. So why would this, the color of the ball get in the way of your game? If you get a hole in one, it doesn't matter what color the ball was. But there are limits to the way the ball was built, and there are rules to the game. So I'll let you sit I'll let that sit with you as a close in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this prayer that Jesus prayed for us, a prayer for unity and a confirmation of the Holy Trinity. Thank you for the willingness of the youth to do this awesome Sunday, and thank you for today, and bless the rest of the day. Amen. <laughs>